0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's SYLVAN29.com. Start! You can call me Bruce. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. That's right. Those are my furry, quadrupedal dependents barking in the background, very noisily, very very rudely, if I might say so myself, as if they have no respect for the work that we do here. You know what? It's been that kind of week. It's been the kind of week where you think you got one thing going, all of a sudden things get barking over you. It's free agency, ladies and gentlemen. It is team building time. I love the offseason. I love the draft. I love free agency. I love team building. I like to see how the pieces fit together and mix and match and everything. I love everything about it. And we are going to do our best to get through a rundown of every single move that the Buffalo Bills have made up to this point. Now, it's important that I note, that it is approximately 7.16 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, March 15th. So if something were to occur on Wednesday evening after this, I would not be part of that as far as the discussion until next week. So we're going to start off with a joke because it's the best way to start any podcast, but not just any joke a particularly lame joke that is actually fairly well-known. Multiple people who are listening to this podcast will know the punchline of this joke before I conclude it. So here we go. There is a man who is out on the balcony of his house and a flash flood comes along and the water rises rapidly and it reaches his ankles and a boat comes along and they throw out a life raft to him and say, sir, sir, grab a hold of it. We'll take you in. This man, being a God-fearing man, believes strongly that his salvation will come via God directly. And so he says to the people in the boat, no, 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 the Lord will help me. The Lord will save me. The people in the boat are confused, but they respect the man's wishes. They pull up the life raft And they drive off. Well, the water rises to his waist and another boat comes along and they throw out a life raft and say, sir, sir, we'll pull you in. He says, no, no, the Lord will help me. The Lord will save me. The boat driver and passengers are very confused, but they respect the man's wishes. They pull up their life raft and they go. The water rises up to his neck and a helicopter comes overhead and throws down a ladder and says, sir, we'll pull you up. He says, no, no, no. The Lord will help me. The Lord will save me. And they say, but sir, you can't swim. He says, I know, but the Lord will help me. The Lord will save me. The helicopter pulls up the rope ladder and moves on to the next person they need to rescue. Eventually the water rises above his head. He cannot swim. He drowns and perishes. He goes to heaven and he's being checked in and God is sitting there and, he has a conversation and God says, okay, you know, who are you? He says, oh, I'm, I'm John Smith. He goes, okay, John, John Smith, John Smith. Well, that's weird. You're not supposed to be here. He goes, what do you mean? I'm, 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 dead. I'm on the list. He goes, John Smith. John. Oh, that's right. I remember you. You're not supposed to be here at all. I sent you boats in a helicopter. It is an eye rollingly bad joke that is told by grandfathers for the 37th time over Thanksgiving dinner. Many a grandchild have rolled their eyes at that joke, but I think there's a lesson to be learned from that joke. I think there's something we can learn specifically about team building. Sometimes the solution to a problem doesn't manifest itself in the way that you were always looking for. The solution to a problem can sometimes manifest itself in different ways than you expected. And if you've got your blinders on If you are only thinking that there is one potential solution to a specific problem, you might miss it. You might miss out. For example, the Bills need to go out and sign a free agent wide receiver who can play on the outside so that Gabriel Davis can play more in the slot. Or they could go out and sign a slot player so Gabriel Davis can actually stay on the outside but not be as significant of a target priority, and then you draft somebody who you think can take over for Gabriel Davis next year. Both of those solutions solve the problem. They just solve it in different ways. So I think it's important as we go around this free agency period, and now we're starting to go in the draft and you start to feel a little differently about the draft after free agency, because we always do every year. We make crazy statements like, it absolutely has to be an offensive guard in the first round. It has to be. Bruce, you're stupid if you don't think so. And then you go out and you sign a player in free agency that you think is going to be a starting guard, which means there's a very reasonable chance that the starting five linemen for the Buffalo Bills are right here, right now. Dawkins, Bates, Morse, McGovern, Spencer Brown. Like, that's a really strong chance that that's your starting five. Do you still feel like we absolutely have to? We absolutely have to? You got to be mentally flexible. You got to be mentally agile. Because there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And the Buffalo Bills have done some things so far that kind of tips their hand as far as what they think is going on. So let's do a quick recap of all the Buffalo Bills maneuvers that have happened this weekend up to this point. Milano Extension, Tim Settle pay cut, Hines pay cut and restructure, Allen and Vaughn restructure, Sam Martin resigned, Tyler Matikavich resigned, Cam Lewis resigned, Case Keenum leaves, Connor McGovern signs, Tremaine Edmonds leaves, Tyrell Dotson resigns, Dane Jackson gets tendered at the original round level, which is two point seven million, and if he signs another offer with another team and the Bills don't match, they get a seventh round pick in exchange for him. They signed Deontay Hardy. They restructured Stefan Diggs. They re-signed Jordan Poyer. And they signed backup quarterback Kyle Allen. First off, when you hear all those things, does it sound like the team is doing nothing? That is 16 individual transactions since Sunday. That's a lot. The team is clearly doing stuff. They're doing things. They may not be doing qualitatively what you'd like them to do. This is not Buddy Nix who's sleeping through free agency. That's not what this is. But let's talk about the moves a little bit. And I know that by this time, you've probably already gotten a lot of individual analysis on all of the moves. I want to look at them as a whole. And I want to tell you what this reminds me of. This particular offseason thus far has reminded me of early tenure McBean. 2017, 2018, it is reminiscent to me of that. And I'll tell you why. We've talked before about getting a player who outperforms their contract, right? Getting surplus value. We have a tendency to think about this only through draft picks because draft picks have a markedly lower base salary on average as comparison to free agents. But having free agents outperform their contracts can be a big part of building an effective team because you live in a limited resource environment in the NFL. Some free agent contracts are given out to known quantities. The team ends up paying a premium for that known quantity. And although the player may live up to the contract, they very rarely exceed it. Great example, the contract that the Bills gave to Von Miller last year, 2022. Miller may play up to the deal, and through the first part of 2022, he certainly looked to be doing just that. But he's very unlikely to exceed it. In fact, due to his age and the fact that the Bills are restructuring his deal already, there's very likely a time coming where he is no longer worth the cap hits the contract is putting on the team. But those are the types of contracts you give out when you feel like you need one specific piece at one specific position and there's a player of Miller's caliber available. There hasn't really been a signing of that type for the Bills in 2023. And I don't think there will be. Not only because there weren't players of Miller's caliber available, how many players on the open market this year do you think are Hall of Famers? Albert Breer from MMQB he described earlier NFL teams telling him that they thought the free agent class, quote, sucked. Not only because of that, but also because it doesn't appear to be the Bills' approach this year. Instead, the signings of wide receiver Deontay Hardy and interior offensive lineman Connor McGovern so far in free agency remind me of the 2017 and 2018 Buffalo Bills free agent classes. Allow me to elaborate. Hardy and McGovern are players that got reasonable but not top-of-market deals. They both project to play meaningful roles in Buffalo as a starting guard and a slot receiver slash potential return option. They both have had their value at least somewhat suppressed due to lack of previous playing time. McGovern just became a starter in 2022. Hardy was injured for most of this year. Both are 25 years old. In 2017 and 2018, the Buffalo Bills signed three players who fit this mold. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and Trent Murphy. They got reasonable, but not top-of-market deals. They all projected to play meaningful roles in Buffalo as starting safeties and an edge rusher. They had their values suppressed. Hyde was considered to be a nickelback and a tweener. Poyer and Murphy both due to injuries. Murphy was 27 when he signed with the Bills. Hyde and Poyer were both 26. The Bills certainly got surplus value out of Poirier and Hyde, didn't they? Both became elite safeties on deals that were markedly below their play. Murphy did not live up to his deal with Buffalo and did not become the impact player the Bills were hoping he would be. But here they are, trying the tactic again. Hardy and McGovern signings, they're not Von Miller deals. They're not John Brown deals. Brown already had a 1,000-yard receiving season under his belt before he came to Buffalo. They're not Cole Beasley deals. Beasley had been established as a strong starting slot receiver in the NFL before he ever came here. They're not Starla Touloulay or Mario Addison-type deals. Those are known quantities as starting defensive linemen. They've got much more in common with the deals that were signed early in the regime's tenure. These are the types of deals that shoot for the free agent to be a diamond in the rough, a player that can outperform their contract and have your pro scouting department pop in champagne at their own brilliance. I have no idea if McGovern or Hardy will be those players, but looking back at other deals of this type from earlier in the McBean tenure, it's hard not to be at least a little intrigued. We previously talked about the archetypes of free agents that I would approach. People whose value is suppressed due to things like being behind really good players, injuries, things like that. So you know already how I feel about these signings. You know already I'm for them. Because these are the type of players I want to sign in free agency. So you already knew before you booted up this podcast, if you listened to last week's, that I was going to be in favor of of these types of signings because this is where you get those wins. Very rarely do you sign someone for $20 million a year and two years in, you're like, wow, we got a steal on that one, didn't we? When was the last time that happened to anybody ever? The steals come from people who have suppressed value. I mentioned Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell is in the exact same boat for me as Deontay Hardy. Their player's who had their value suppressed that you think maybe could outperform their contract. If you get them in the right system, you get a little bit lucky when it comes to health, you get that good production from them. So that's the way I feel about both of them. There's a perfectly reasonable explanation for why Conor McGovern was a free agent. And that's because the Cowboys have... Big financial problems, and they have a really expensive offensive line already, and you only have one year of McGovern playing. He played right guard a little bit, spotty here, spotty there, but one year as being a left guard, that's it. There's a perfectly reasonable explanation for why Deontay Hardy was available. He was hurt for the overwhelming majority of 2022. Also, the Saints just brought back Michael Thomas, and they have a player they really like who can fill that Deontay Hardy role in Rashid Shahid. Very reasonable explanation because that's one of the biggest questions for free agents. Why are you available? If you're really, really good, why are you here? Why weren't you tagged? Why weren't you extended? Why weren't you tendered? Whatever the case is, those players just don't make it to the market very often. So what do you do? You find players who are undervalued on the market for a specific reason. These are those types of players. I'm not saying they're going to blow up. I'm saying this is the type of player that you could potentially get surplus value for, which is why I'm for it. I'm not here to pound the table and tell you they're amazing. I don't know how they're going to be when they're Buffalo Bills. I will say that Connor McGovern absolutely 100% fits the type for the Buffalo Bills when it comes to interior offensive line. Stop thinking they want 330-pound graders. They don't. They've proven it over and over again. They extended Mitch Morse. They sign players like this. They sign Roger Saffold. That's that's not who they are. If you want them to sign a 330-pound guard who's going to maul people, that's just not what they do. The type is being reinforced on the offensive line. Deontay Hardy feels to me like a what if Isaiah McKenzie could actually play slot receiver full-time for us and being a trustworthy receiver. That's why you have all these Incentives built into the Deontay Hardy contract. If you stay healthy, there's incentives for like meaningful receiver production from him. The agent probably wouldn't be very excited about having those things in the contract. If the plan for Hardy was just to be a special teamer. And I don't think that's the case. I think they look at him as their probable slot player. And if you went and got a probable slot player. And you went and got a probable starting guard. That changes a lot of things when it comes to the draft. I posed these three questions on Twitter today. Does the Bills signing of Deontay Hardy alter your opinion on the necessity to take a wide receiver high in the draft? Does the Bills signing of Connor McGovern alter your opinion on the necessity to take into your offensive line high in the draft? And have the signings of Connor McGovern and Deontay Hardy altered which position? Into your offensive line or wide receiver, you feel is a bigger need for the Bills? I ask those because I'm trying to gauge moving the needle. Here are the results of those polls. The first one was, have the signings of Connor McGovern and Deontay Hardy altered which position you feel is a bigger need? Basically, how much did these signings move the needle relative to each other? 38% of you said wide receiver is still a bigger need. 27% of you said no, interior line is still a bigger need. 27% of you said yes, wide receiver is a bigger need now. And 7% of you said yes, interior offensive line is a bigger need now. Which means that the needle moved a little bit more for Connor McGovern than it did for Deontay Hardy, which I would expect. That makes sense. Then that's backed up by the fact that when I asked, does the Bills signing of Deontay Hardy alter your opinion on the necessity to take a wide receiver high? 88% of you said no. But when I asked, does the Bills signing of Connor McGovern alter your opinion on the necessity to take interior offensive line high in the draft? Only 60% of you said no, which is still more, but not as much as the Deontay Hardy no. And I'm here to tell you I feel the way you do. Connor McGovern moves the needle at interior offensive line for me more than Deontay Hardy does at wide receiver for me. Now, it might change stylistically the type of receiver you're looking for in the draft. Previously, you were thinking maybe you might trade down, get a Josh Downs. Now, you're thinking maybe you don't do that. Maybe you're looking for a boundary receiver who can take over for... Gabriel Davis next year, maybe a player like A.T. Hardy all of a sudden becomes more to mind. So I don't think the positional change has moved significantly, but I do think stylistically it might alter the places that I'm thinking about the Bills potentially targeting. When it comes to Connor McGovern, now all of a sudden I'm thinking you need to get a starter early to you need to get a player to reinforce depth and have a developmental starter later on. So all of a sudden, this potentially comes from a first-round thing to a third-round thing. And then when the Bills re-signed Jordan Poyer and didn't sign a younger safety, now all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, Christian Benford goes back there to safety that's a potential developmental starter later on down the line. You probably still need another young safety. Now, all of a sudden, relative to wide receiver and into your offensive line, does safety start to crop up the list? Not because we don't have a good pair. We do. But the, we thought the average age of the safety tandem was going to go down, and it didn't because they re-signed Poyer. So again, you got to remain mentally agile here. You can't just get locked in and say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't fit what I want it to do, so I'm going to ignore it. Otherwise, you're going to be just like the guy from the joke who was expecting his help from God and it came in the form of two boats and a helicopter and he just wasn't paying attention to the fact that that could be his savior. That could be his rescue. Mentally agile. Willing to open our minds to other possibilities. Can't get locked in. All of a sudden now, I'm thinking about safety in the second round. I wasn't thinking about safety in the second round before Because I thought the other needs were so much more significant. But now, even though you have a really good safety pairing, you didn't really get younger there. Now, interior offensive line, you go, okay, maybe someone to take over from Mitch Morse. Now all of a sudden, are you looking at centers who you can develop in the second or third round? Are you looking at right tackles now to hedge against Spencer Brown? All of a sudden, These things shift because needs don't really move independently of each other. They move in relation to each other. It's not just, well, into your offensive line need went down. It's as it goes down, other things take its place in the hierarchy. Because there's multiple solutions to how to build a team. We're going to take a quick break. I know it's really late. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about the joke. We talked about team building. We went through why I think these moves remind me of other moves. And now we're going to talk about comp picks, compensatory picks, because it matters. It matters. It hasn't mattered, and there's an entire generation of Buffalo Bills fans who don't know anything about compensatory picks because the Bills haven't had one. It's been a long time since the Bills have had a compensatory draft pick. But here's the way that compensatory picks work. There is a qualifier and a quantifier. Step one and step two. The first qualification for being eligible for comp picks is you lose more unrestricted free agents to another team than you sign from another team. So right now, the Bills are three in and two out. The three in are Kyle Allen, Deontay Hardy, and Connor McGovern. The three people who were unrestricted free agents, their contracts expired on another team, and they signed in Buffalo before May 2nd when the window closes. They lost two, Case Keenum and Tremaine Edmonds. Right now, as of this recording, the Bills are not eligible for any comp picks in 2024. It does not matter how big the deal was for Tremaine Edmonds. You must first have a net loss in free agents. This is one of the reasons why picking up players who were cut from other teams is popular because they do not count as qualifying compensatory free agents. They did not have a contract that expired and left them available to become a member of another team at the beginning of the league year. Right now, the Bills are eligible for zero comp picks. It doesn't matter how big Tremaine Edmonds' deal was. If Devin Singletary were to sign elsewhere before May 2nd, then the Bills would be three out and three in. And they still would not be eligible. They would need Jordan Phillips or Shaq Lawson or AJ Klein to sign elsewhere to get them in the negative. They will have lost more unrestricted free agents than they signed. Once that happens, once that qualifier has happened and May 2nd rolls around and you are still in the negative, now you have qualified. Then, that's step one. Now you must quantify now all of a sudden, the size of the contracts comes into play, and the bigger the contract of the person that you lost, in this case Tremaine Edmonds, the more significant the pick will be, as far as comp goes. Before the Buffalo Bills signed Deontay Hardy and Kyle Allen, and were negative one because they lost Keenum and Edmonds, and they had only gained one, which was Connor McGovern, they were on track to have a third round pick in the 2024 draft as a compensatory pick. So they were negative one, but since then they've signed two players and now they're plus one, which means they, as of this recording, are not eligible for any compensatory picks. So I hope that makes sense. As a real quick recap, unrestricted free agents signed by the team minus unrestricted free agents from a team that signed elsewhere. If the resulting number is negative, the team is now eligible for comp picks. The round of the comp pick that you receive is based on the significance of the contract or contracts signed by the unrestricted free agents lost by your team. The formula only applies to players who became unrestricted free agents due to the expiration of their contract. The signing of players who were cut from other teams does not count towards the formula. The collective bargaining agreement specifically says new club. The formula only counts players who had their contracts expire and then signed with a new team. So, I hope that makes sense. It doesn't look like it's going to apply this year once again, but at some point, it probably will. So, when that happens, you'll be informed. You'll be ready. And if it's long enough from now that we don't remember any of the stuff we're talking about, The ComPick podcast is long buried and we've forgotten all about Bruce. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblers.